that, it's time to dismiss children of the age of four and under to children's church. And in the meantime, if you want to go ahead and flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Once you flip there, if I can have everyone stand for the reading of God's word. Sam, I'm a member here at, at CBC, and uh, I'm excited to be able to to share the word with you this morning and to walk through this this passage with you guys. 
Um, and so, uh, if you'll begin just and pray with me um, as we walk through this. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today and for the ways that you're working in each of our lives. Father, I pray that, that this morning we would, we would long for, for your truth. I pray that you would send out your truth, your light and your truth, and let them lead us. Let them lead us to your, your holy hill, to your dwelling place. I pray that you would, would shape our hearts, that you would um, help us to look not to things that are seen. I pray that you would um, teach us how do we discern how do we discern what is, what is the true gospel ministry? How do, we, um, how do we look not to, to outward appearance, but, but to the heart? Um, and I pray that, that you would guide us as we dive into your word today. I pray this in your heavenly name. Amen. <clears throat> so, when I, when I was growing up, my, my grandma had these... Um, well, my grandma loved to collect different, like, angel little trinkets, and so she had them all over her house, uh, but, but she had these plates that hung up on the wall that had, like, Babel, uh, sorry, confused two words there, baby angels on them, um, and <laughs> so little, little faces of baby angels on these plates on the walls, just, like, all over the living room. Um, and they were, they were beautiful plates. Like, um, I remember seeing them, you know, beautiful by appearance. Um, they, they were protected, put on display, but, but, you know, as a kid, to me, they served no, no purpose, right? They just, they looked nice on the wall, but beyond that, um, they weren't really, um, useful in any way. But my grandma had other plates uh, these plates were, were worn down, used, cracked, scratched, and these were our dinner plates, and very different than these plates that she hung on the wall. These plates were used every day. Uh, they were, by appearances, nothing to desire, but, uh, but they offered the source of life that I needed um, Every day, every day they provided substance. And so there's this contrast between that which looks beautiful, but serves um, no real purpose beyond appearance. And then there's that which by all appearances is unattractive, yet offers life. And uh, as, as humans in our sinful desire, we are, we are quick to judge things by appearance. Uh, we're quick to look to things that, that appeal to our desire to see things. And uh, the question that we're walking through today is, as Christians, are, are Christians marked by those who, who look a certain way, who appear godly? Or are Christians those who, in the midst of, of daily life, worn down, um, the ones that that by all appearances are, are seen as unwise or seen as foolish, seen as weak, but offering the source of eternal life. And 
As we walk into this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul is, is addressing this, that true gospel ministry is not that which is measured by outward appearance, but it's that which is measured in the heart. And, uh, and we see that in, in the ministry of Jesus. If we look at, I'm going to read this from Isaiah 53. You don't have to turn there. But this is the model that, that we're given of, of ministry. Right? He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. No, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected by men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And as one from, men, from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Right, the very model of ministry, Christ himself, was not modeled by outward appearance. And in contrast, if you look to the 12 disciples, um, Jesus said to them, one of you is going to betray me. And, and what did they do? Did they all stand up and say, it's Judas? I know it's Judas. <laughs> they didn't. They, they said, Rabbi, is it, is it me? Because in their minds, they thought that they were more likely to betray Jesus than Judas was. By every appearance, Judas played the part of a disciple. By outward appearance, everyone thought that Judas was a true minister of the gospel. And so we really need to know, how do we discern true ministry? How do we discern that in ourselves? Are we merely putting forward a front? How do we discern that in, in the ministry that we're taking a part in? We need our hearts to be judged so that we can grow in, in pursuit of God and, and holiness. And the Corinthians were facing the same issue. They were asking Paul for letters of recommendation so that they would know who are true ministers. But Paul tells them that the letters of recommendation are written on your heart by the Spirit, not by a letter. Um, and so as we walk into this passage, we're going to see how Paul describes that, that true ministry is measured not by outward appearance, but by the heart. And so, in this passage, I see four markers. I want to walk through four markers of true gospel ministry that Paul gives us in order to discern the hearts and know that, that our lives are truly gospel-centered. So the four marks, I'll give them to you. Uh, the first one is in verses 1 through 6, and it's that true gospel ministry is unveiled, right? True gospel ministry is unveiled. The second point comes from verses 7 through 12, and it's that true gospel ministry manifests the power of God through our weakness. True gospel ministry manifests the power of God through our weakness. The third point in verses 13 through 15 is that true gospel ministry is marked by belief and proclamation. 
marked by belief and proclamation. And the fourth point is that true gospel ministry is grounded on eternal hope. And that's found in verses 16 through 18. Grounded on eternal hope. And so let's walk, walk into this first point. True gospel ministry is unveiled. So I'll read, read through these first six verses. And I'll walk through the progression that Paul makes. He says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful and underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So when I say unveiled, um, first, I just want to talk about what do we mean by a veil? Right? A veil is, is a covering. It's something that by appearance, right, we cover that which we give value, that which we don't want to be seen outwardly. And so it shows exclusivity in that only, only some are able to see, right? But our gospel is not veiled. It's, it's not exclusive. And it's not veiled in that we proclaim exactly what we have received. We don't cover it. We don't disguise it. And, uh, and we see that what we have received is from God. The source of our ministry is from God. And the focus of our ministry is to God. And so that as we stand in the middle, we in no way hinder the ministry as we take the source from God to the people and point them back to God. Um, in contrast, Moses would come from God. And, and his face would shine with the glory of God. But Moses would cover his face with a veil before going to the people. All right, but true gospel ministry is that we would take the glory of God straight to the people. Straight, the message of the gospel straight to the people in order to point them back to the source, back to God, not to us. And so we never put ourselves in the way. Right? True gospel ministry is unveiled in that we must never hinder it. And when we proclaim unveiled truth, we are completely relying on God's ability to save people. And so walking through these verses, we see in the first verse that we receive this ministry by the mercy of God. And we see as, as he progresses, he talks about how we receive it, how we proclaim it, and then how it points to God and relies on God in these six verses. All right, so we receive it by the mercy of God. And for this reason, we do not lose heart. And I'll point back to that, we do not lose heart as we get closer to the end. 
Because as we begin to see, right, we have this ministry from the mercy of God. And we take that and we proclaim it to the people. And not in cunning, not in deceitful ways, right? But we do it through open statements of the truth. And so the question comes, if we're proclaiming the glory of God to people, unveiled, we're not masking anything, people are seeing the glory of God, then why are people not coming to God? Why are the lost still lost? If what we're delivering is the very glory of God. And he says that, that the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing because the God of this world has blinded their minds. And so the, the need then, the, the importance of why we would not veil the gospel is that we do not want our message to be, to be veiled because it's not the truth that's to be veiled. It's the minds of men that are veiled. And so we do not want to add to that veil in any way. But yet we also begin to realize, well, I can proclaim truth and, and people not see it. People not understand and so when he says, therefore, we do not lose heart, um, we see that, he, that he's, he's making a point that, that, we, that we're proclaiming this ministry, from, this gospel from the, the mercy of God, unveiled glory. People are rejecting it because it's out of our power to convince people. <clears throat> But we don't lose heart because it's in God's power. He says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of of Jesus Christ. See, we too were once blinded to the truth. But God who said, let light shine out of darkness shone in our hearts. And I hope you see the, the creation imagery in that, in that sentence. Right? For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. For God who said, let there be light, has gone, in, gone into our hearts and said, let there be light. The, it's not an, an outward creation, but God has gone into us and declared a new creation. Overthrowing the God of this world that's, that's blinding our minds. And so we do not lose heart, though we proclaim, we proclaim an unveiled gospel that's, that's veiled in the minds of men. But we don't lose heart because, because it's, the power is not our own, but is of God. And so we know that, that 
that while what we proclaim looks foolish to the world, um, true, true conversion is not up to us. It's not by us. And so, and so we proclaim the gospel unveiled so that we would do nothing to cover up the glory of God. And so asking, what are ways that, that we do tend to veil the gospel? Well, we veil the gospel when, when we don't proclaim at all. We veil the gospel when we suppress it. We suppress the truth by not speaking it. We veil the gospel when we water it down to make it more pleasing or acceptable to the people. When we speak half-truths out of fear that, that people would reject it or reject us. We veil the gospel when, when we pick and choose who to share the gospel with. We, we often are judges of outward appearance. And so we see people and say, that person would never accept the gospel. And when we do that, we're veiling the gospel. Because it's not up to us, it's not up to our power, but it's up to God's power. Right? We veil the gospel when we proclaim it merely through our own words or through our own ability. We veil it when we, when we tamper with God's word. In an, in an attempt to, to convince people. And so we need to grow, grow in our ability to communicate the gospel. Practice it often. Learn ways that, that you can communicate it effectively and back it up with knowledge of Scripture and proclaim often to those around you. Right? The first point is that true gospel ministry is unveiled. That though, that though we, we look foolish to the world, that we would put nothing, nothing in the way. Right? And so the true, true gospel ministry is unveiled. The second point that we'll walk through in verses 7 through 12 is that true gospel ministry manifests the power of God through our weakness. It says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Right? It's, we have this treasure in jars of clay not by accident, but by design. In order that the surpassing power that belongs to God would be manifested through our weakness. We are earthen vessels, jars of clay, and jars of clay that are not meant to appear beautiful, not meant to put on, be put on display, but meant to carry, to transport that which is truly valuable. Right? We don't display the jar, we display the contents. And so we manifest the power of God through our weakness, through weak bodies, through suffering, through human limitations. God's power is being displayed. And if we were merely to judge by appearances, we would be missing out on the power of God. And so the question is, where do we place our value? Are we, are, do we see ourselves as earthen vessels 
carrying eternal life? Or do we try to to pretty ourselves up, to put forth an image of godliness and then hinder our display of God himself? Jesus said to the Pharisees, he said, Woe to you, Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and plate, that the outside also may be clean. And see, if we are seeking to put forth merely a display of godliness and masking God himself, then we're displaying a false gospel. But true gospel displays the power of God. And so we don't hide our weaknesses, but through our weaknesses we boast the power of God. We were given the cross as the ultimate display of God's weakness. But it's through the cross that we boast the resurrection. It's through God's greatest display of weakness that his greatest display of power is made visible. As Paul continues, he says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Um, How many of us have ever been taken prisoner, taken captive? (laughs) How many have ever suffered in the flesh. So, so this last week, they're laughing because, <laughs> ma- because many of us got the opportunity in a security training to walk through what it would look like to be taken captive, to be taken prisoner by, by government, by terrorists. And, and Paul is speaking from the perspective of one who has been taken captive. And, and in this training, we were given these, these articles of faith. And, and one of them that stood out to me and, and I feel like is reflected in, in Paul's words here is that, that they may control our bodies, but they will not control our heart. And you see that in his words, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And they may control the appearance of our bodies, but they will never control our hearts. In Matthew, he says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And I say this to point out that we display the power of God when we fear Him above all else. 
We display the power of God when we fear God above man, above circumstance. I mean, Paul is saying this after he already said in chapter 1, he said, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And he's making this plea. Corinthians, why would you judge by what you see? You've been given a knowledge that far exceeds what you see. Will you judge merely by appearance? Or will you see through the appearance into the heart? And so what does this look like in our life? Well, in our daily life, it, it often means looks, looks like confession. Are we quick to confess our weaknesses? Quick to confess our sins? Quick to bring ourselves low in order that God may be brought high? In order to take ourselves off the pedestal and put God on the pedestal. Right? It looks like fearing God above fearing man. If we truly believe that God has more power than man, that God is able to destroy both body and soul, if we truly believe that, then that should mark our lives. And it looks like hope, hope in God's power above our circumstances. Hope above God's Hope in God's ability rather than in our ability, rather than in our weak flesh, rather than in our suffering or brokenness. It looks like hope in God. And so the first two points, true gospel ministry is unveiled, right? We put nothing in God's way and depend fully on God. And in this point, true gospel ministry manifests the power of God through our weakness. And so we don't hide our weakness, but through it we confess the power of God. And so the third point is then that true gospel ministry is marked by belief and proclamation. Verse 13, he says, Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. And here he's quoting Psalm 116, where the psalmist is rejoicing that God has delivered him from such deadly trials. And he says, even in my affliction, I believed, and so I spoke. And so we believe, and we also speak. Right? Paul says, we believe, and we also speak. So what... And Paul believes, sorry, what Paul believes, he knows is worth proclaiming. And so what is Paul proclaiming? Well, if we remember Jesus, when, when all the crowds left him, and he was left with just his disciples, and he asked them, are you guys going to leave me as well? And they said to him, Rabbi, where, where else would we go? 
you have the words of eternal life. Paul is proclaiming eternal life. We have the words of eternal life. And so true gospel ministry is marked by belief in eternal life. Right? He says in 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. So he believes in eternal life. And he says, we believe and so we speak. And what is the result of that speaking? In verse 15, it says, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, they may abound in thanksgiving to the glory of God. And so, so true gospel ministry looks like believing eternal life and speaking eternal life. But if in, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, then we are, are of all people most to be pitied. If we look at the other points as we're talking about not judging by appearance, but by heart, right? By appearance, we look foolish, right? We proclaim something that the world can't make sense of because their minds are veiled. To the world, we look weak because we are weak vessels, not displaying ourselves, but God's power. And so if we have hope in this only, then we are most to be pitied. Right? If there is no eternal hope, like this is a pitiful life. But we do have eternal hope. And if we believe this, then this must be proclaimed. So that grace would extend to more and more people. In chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, my brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. But do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. Central, we have the words of eternal life. And there are some who have no knowledge of God. If we believe this, then we must proclaim it. Is your life marked by belief and proclamation? See, how can we keep this hope to ourselves? Are, we, are you too busy? Too busy to proclaim? Well, wake up. Because some have no knowledge of God. Are you too tired to proclaim? Wake up. For some have no knowledge of God. Are you scared? Wake up. 
We have the words of eternal life. And some have no knowledge of God. Do we believe? Then we must proclaim. True gospel ministry is marked by belief and proclamation. And so as we walk back through those points that we've made so far, true gospel ministry is unveiled. It manifests the power of God through our weakness. And it's marked by belief and proclamation. And the fourth point is that true gospel ministry is grounded on eternal hope. He says, so we do not lose heart. In verse 16. Right? He began the passage, we do not lose heart. And he ends the chapter with, so we do not lose heart. So we do not lose heart, Central Baptist. Though by appearances, our ministry is bleak. By appearances, it doesn't look like anything great. It's not those beautiful plates on the wall, right? Where these cracked up, scratched, beaten plates with stories of brokenness, of hardship, of suffering, walking through the daily trials of life, going to work all day, coming home exhausted, taking care of of kids at home. If we, were to ju- be, if we were to judge by appearances, we would have every reason to lose heart. If our body was a reflection of our hope, then we would be pitiful. And he says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Though we grow older day by day, Though we grow weaker day by day. Though our body time and time again fails us. Though we grow sick. Though we grow tired. Though we exhaust ourselves. Though we hurt. Though we suffer. Though we can no longer do the things that we used to be able to do. Though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is growing more and more into the likeness of Christ into the image that God has shown into our hearts. In Romans 8, Paul says, Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes in what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Right? If we want to get through, want to, want to walk through our present sufferings, then we must be looking to the eternal glory. He says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. I want to focus on that 
section on this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. This, this idea of an eternal weight of glory uh, put into my mind as I was thinking about it um, a sailboat. And so a sailboat has its sail right, way up in the sky. But what you don't see is that a sailboat has a ballast at the very bottom of the boat. It's, an, it's this weight that they add to the bottom of the sailboat so that when crosswinds hit the sail, it doesn't capsize the boat, but the weight holds it steady in the midst of, of the trials of, of the crosswinds, of the storms. And see, our hope is like this ballast that we cling to. That in the midst of, of the crosswinds of life, we would not capsize, but we would remain upright, looking to our hope, holding on to our hope. Right? This ballast of glory is not seen. It's not visible to us, but it keeps us from capsizing. It, help, it allows us to remain upright in the midst of storms because we know that we are not looking to things that are seen, but we are looking to that which is unseen. And so true gospel ministry requires an eternal mindset, an eternal hope, are you quick to be shaken by the uncertainty around you? Do you find yourself anxious about the present circumstances? Do you struggle to look to eternal hope? And do you believe truly that this eternal glory that's to come is incomparable to the present circumstances? And we need to grow every day in our understanding of our eternal hope. And we need to grow in desire to see that hope. Knowing that that, that hope will be revealed. And so we hold loosely the things that we have been given. And hold tightly to that which is eternal. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so we must judge our lives according to these markers. So that we would not be those who judge by appearance, but by the heart. We need to take the time to ask these questions. Is our ministry unveiled? Are we putting anything in the way of God, of bringing people to God? Does our ministry manifest the power of God through weakness? Are we fearing God above man? Is our ministry marked by belief and proclamation? We have the words of eternal life. And there are those who do not know him. And is our ministry grounded on eternal hope? 
We're waiting for an eternal glory. Therefore, we must let this hope carry us through our trials. And maybe for the first time today, God is shining His glory into your heart in a way that you've never seen before. Behold, now, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Christ has been crucified on our behalf. He has defeated death and ascended into the heavens so that we too have hope and assurance of eternal life. Central, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for your word that you have given us. Thank you that, that you have shown into our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You have unveiled yourself to us. God, I pray that you would give us the means to to discern, to discern our own lives? Are we living the true gospel? Or are we merely putting on a display? I pray that you would give us the tools to discern ministry. Is our ministry centered on the true gospel? Or is it merely an appearance? Pray that that you would teach us how to proclaim your truth unveiled. I pray that you you would help us in our weakness. That we would proclaim your power. I pray that we would truly believe in eternal life. And that we would proclaim. And I pray that that we would rest in an eternal hope. An eternal glory that's beyond all comparison. So that in the midst of of the trials and suffering. We would hold fast to the hope that you've given us. I pray as we, as, as we go out that we would be reminded we would be reminded not to lose heart. Reminded that, that your power sustains us. That even when all looks bleak, even when we look foolish, even when we look weak, God, that it's you that's being put on display. And I pray that we would rejoice in that and that we would abound in thanksgiving to your glory. 
Father, I pray that you would convict us and draw us near to you. Change our hearts and, and shape our minds as we, as we behold your glory and we are transformed. Pray these things in the name of Jesus and, and by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen.